It's time for Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, inviting the atheist, agnostic, and skeptic to examine for themselves the evidence for the Christian faith. We are all limited by what we do not know and by the things we think we know but are not true. Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott. In the last episode, Pastor Atheist blessed Christianity for the Crusades and the Spanish Inquisition. But those events were contrary to what Christ taught. Remember this fact. Never judge a worldview by its abuses. On the other hand, be very critical of any worldview if their immoral actions are entirely consistent with what they teach. Many deaths in the 20th century are attributable to atheistic regimes. Those deaths were consistent with what atheism implies. Thus, we should hold atheism guilty for those deaths. And abortion and harvesting organs from the Falun Gong people in China are practices that should be classified as immoral. Some atheists see God as no different from Santa Claus. There's no evidence for either one, they say. And since no one feels obligated to show that Santa Claus does not exist, why should anyone feel obligated to prove that God does not exist? In their mind, the lack of evidence is proof enough. In his book, Answering Atheism, Trent Horn writes those of us who denied Santa Claus, leprechauns, and unicorns, just say we believe in psychology and chemistry instead. But how would the atheist fill in the following statement? I don't believe in God, I believe in blank. He can't fill in the blank with science because God exists outside the realm of experimental science. There is no science whose methods, when used properly, show God does not exist. An atheist must use principles in philosophy in order to not only refute theism, but to prove atheism as well. Atheism has a burden of proof that is not discharged by saying, well, it's just obvious that my view is right. But what about the atheist who says, I can't prove that leprechauns don't exist. But the failure to prove that they do exist gives us good reason to say leprechauns don't exist. And the same is true of God. Okay, what is to be learned here? Absence of evidence is not necessarily evidence of absence. Just because there is no evidence for the existence of a thing X doesn't necessarily imply that X does not exist. 
Christopher Hitchens, for example, asserted that 99% of species are now extinct and used that fact to attempt to disprove that God designed life on Earth. However, the buggy whip is extinct, but it certainly was designed. In the last episode, I was in the process of giving my reasons why the atheism alternative is false. I had given four reasons. If you need to be reminded, consult the podcast of the last episode. I was showing the fifth atheistic alternative is false because atheists deny the design argument. I turn now to give my new design argument. Premise one, there are four modes of explanation for the apparent fine-tuning of the universe. Design, chance, physical necessity, and natural selection. Premise two, chance, physical necessity, and natural selection aren't sufficient modes. Conclusion, therefore, the universe was designed. In my discussion of Hume's argument in episode 59, I showed chance was not a viable option because it had no power to cause anything, no mind to make a decision, no will to choose, no prudence to foresee what needs to happen, and no voice to call for assistance. So when chance is appealed to as an agency of cause, it is utterly impotent and meaningless. When that one in a million event happens, it had a cause according to the principle of causality. But that cause was not chance. In Stealing from God, Frank Turek says physical necessity means that the physical properties had to be the way it is in our universe. But skeptics appeal to the multiverse where the separate universes have varying physical laws suggesting the physical properties could have been entirely different. Thus, physical necessity is not a viable option either. Let me add another layer of explanation here. In an article, Design and the Anthropic Fine-Tuning of the Universe, by William Lane Craig in the book God and Design, edited by Neil A. Manson in the year 2003, Craig gives a design argument with three modes of explanation, including physical necessity, chance, or design. Craig eliminates necessity and chance based on William A. Dembski's analysis in several of his publications. I mention only the design inference in 1998. See also inference to the best explanation by the Cambridge philosopher of science, Peter Lipton. Isn't it amazing the links that atheism will go to in order to preserve their no-God stance. When we have no explanation for something in this universe, they come up with an hypothesis of a more mind-boggling multiverse as an explanation.
The first cause of the universe established the physical constants with just the right conditions and laws for the life of human beings. But Richard Dawkins and the new atheist hate this conclusion. Frank Turek reports that in one of, the, of Dawkins' debates, John Lennox asked, how do you explain the origin of the laws of physics? Dawkins responded, I do not know the origin of the laws of physics. What I do know is that whatever they are, it certainly doesn't help to suggest that they were designed by a conscious intelligence because that simply makes a bigger question than what you've solved. What's the bigger question? It's the familiar atheistic retort, who made God? This is the atheistic no-God of the gaps default position. I have said on numerous occasions, that's just silly logic. Next, let me discuss why natural selection is not a viable alternative either. First, I have pointed out that no evolutionary process, especially natural selection, can account for the design in the universe because the initial arrangement of matter and energy and the establishment of the fundamental physical constants occurred at the beginning of the universe. Natural selection was not on stage until 10 billion years later because natural selection depends on reproduction of living beings. So natural selection had nothing to do with establishing the values of physical constants at the beginning of the universe. Natural selection had nothing to do with the process by which hydrogen and helium were converted to carbon in stars. This is favorable to the creation of chemicals that are favorable to life. Natural selection had nothing to do with gravity, which controlled the expansion rate of the universe and thus was favorable to life. Natural selection had nothing to do with the size and surface of the planet Earth, which must be just right, too big and heavy, and the atmosphere will be rich with noxious elements like ammonia and methane, too small and light, and the atmosphere will not retain water. Natural selection had nothing to do with the tilt of the Earth from its axis. The Earth had to be tilted just enough to prevent extremes of temperature and weather. Natural selection had nothing to do with locating our solar system in the Cygnus Orion arm a region of space in between two major arms of the Milky Way, Perseus arm and the Sagittarius arm. This is a pretty safe location to avoid powerful cosmic explosions that could destroy life. Thus, out of the four possible modes of explanation, design is the only option left. So not only has Richard Dawkins' central argument in The God Delusion of Failure, but also he has failed to refute the design argument that uses fine-tuning. Instead, the design argument has refuted Dawkins. 
atheists attempt to convince you that no explanation is needed for why we observe a life-permitting universe because that's the only kind of universe we can observe. They say if the universe was not life-permitting, then we wouldn't be here to inquire about it. That's true, but this kind of reasoning is fallacious because a life-permitting universe does nothing to eliminate the need for an explanation for why the universe is fine-tuned for life. That needs an explanation. Philosopher John Leslie shows that the atheistic attempt at rebuttal doesn't work. Imagine a firing squad who've all fired at you, but none of the shooters hit you. Just because you are alive, to observe the fact that no one hit you would not explain why no one hit you. Similarly, just because you are alive in the universe, a fine-tuned universe for life does not explain why the universe is fine-tuned for life. In light of the enormous improbability that all the marksmen would miss you, you would conclude that they all missed on purpose. You would suspect the whole thing was a setup engineered by someone. Now allow me to give a sixth reason why the atheistic alternative is false. Let me give William Lane Craig's moral argument. Premise one. If God does not exist, then objective moral values and duties do not exist. Premise two. Objective moral values and duties do exist. Conclusion. Therefore, God exists. Of course, premise one is equivalent by the logical law of the contrapositive to if the objective moral values and duties exist, then God exists. Premise one involves some important distinctions that need clarification before we can discuss its truth. First, note the distinction between values and duties. Values have to do with whether something is good or bad. Duties have to do with whether something is right or wrong. You might think that this is a distinction without a difference. But good slash bad has to do with something's worth, while right slash wrong has to do with something being obligatory. Second, note the distinction between objective or subjective. Objective means independent of people's opinions. Subjective means dependent on people's opinions. So to say that there are objective moral values is to say that something is good or bad no matter what people think or feel about it. Similarly, to say that we have objective moral duties is to say that certain actions are right or wrong for us regardless of what people think. Premise one is supported by statements made by skeptics like Friedrich Nietzsche, Richard Dawkins, John Gray, and Bertrand Russell. Nietzsche said that if God is dead, 
it will lead to the advent of nihilism. Dawkins, in his book, River Out of Eden, page 133, says, In a world without God, there is no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. He adds, DNA neither cares nor knows. It just is, and we dance to its music. Gray agrees with both. He says there is no meaning, no personhood, no responsibility, and no morality. Bertrand Russell, a British atheistic philosopher, gives a picture of what life in this world is like if there is no God. Quotes, Man is the product of causes which had no prevision of the end they were achieving. His origin, his growth, his hopes and fears, his loves and beliefs are but the outcome of an accidental collocation of atoms. All the noonday brightness of human genius are destined to extinction in the vast death of the solar system. And the whole temple of man's achievement must inevitably be buried beneath the debris of a universe in ruins. Only within the scaffolding of these truths, only on the firm foundation of unyielding despair, can the soul's habitation henceforth be safely built. So atheists would be duty-bound to accept premise one, since four of the high priests of the religion of atheism support premise one. Theists will readily agree to the truth of premise one. In fact, Dennis Prager, a cultural commentator who is an Orthodox Jew, said, without a God who is the source of morality, Morality is just a matter of opinion. I will finish this proof in the next episode. In the meantime, exercise daily. Walk with God. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave94 at this email address, dougapple at wave94.com. And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app, Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott.